everybody. Dr. Axe here. Hey, I'm so excited to have Genevieve Howland today on the podcast. And we're going to be talking about all things baby, home birth, raising healthy kids, family, my wife, Chelsea, and you know, all that stuff. So it's going to be great. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Axe. It's great to be here. So we, uh, so we've known each other for quite a while. I know that we, uh, you guys live in the same spot where Chelsea and I spent a ton of time down in uh, Santa Rosa Beach, Florida, which kind of lies in between mm -hmm. Panama City Beach and Destin, Florida. And um, man, it looks like you know I follow you on Instagram and see some of Mike's posts of him kayaking and you know that sort of yes. thing. So seems like you guys are having a great yeah. time down there. We love it. I mean, it's definitely a small town, so you don't have some of the advantages of Nashville or something like that. But yep. I love the daily living and it's so great for kids. I mean, every day they're outside, which is just huge because I used to live in Chicago and like half the winter we were just stuck inside, which makes it really hard. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. We, we went down there for Christmas this year. And uh, spent time with Chelsea's side of the family. And it was 70 and sunny. I mean, you know, I it was know. just fantastic. <laughs> I couldn't believe how nice the weather was. So it was, uh, yes. man, it was awesome. It was mm -hmm. awesome. Well, we, uh, we love and respect you guys so much. Thank you for, now we already had your book, but you sent us a second one, uh, which we'll talk about today, the Mama Natural Pregnancy and Childbirth um, uh, sort of guide here. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today too. But man, this, is just, this has been such an amazing resource which we love and recommend to everybody. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about, so right now we're about four, maybe five weeks out from Chelsea's due date here. And mm -hmm. um, man, you know, it's coming up. Pregnancy has both, according to Chelsea, it's been forever. To me, I feel like it's flown by. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm excited to talk about home birth because we're getting ready for a home birth. We have an awesome midwife, but I just really want to hear your expertise and thoughts on some things. So starting off, let's start, off talking a little bit about home birth. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> what are some of the things that you hear? And I'm not sure, because we've never talked about this. Have you ever done a hospital birth or had friends or family do it there? And, and what's, what would you say is the real, the biggest differences you see between doing a, a birth in a hospital versus a home birth? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <clears throat> you know, with my, I was kind of a late bloomer. So most of my friends already had kids by the time I got pregnant. And I remember going out to lunch with about five of them. And I was just like picking their brain because I was pregnant and wanted to hear about their journey. And out of all of them, I think only one of them had a vaginal birth. The rest were all C-sections and they were all hospital births. And it really, that was a moment for me, kind of like a tipping point or a turning point where I was like, something is wrong here with this picture because if you look at statistically, like most women should be able to give birth, you know, vaginally and not have a cesarean. So I was like, there's something going on. And so I started doing some research. I watched the documentary, The Business of Being Born, and it just opened my eyes like, oh my gosh, we have a problem. Like the birth system in the United States is broken. And, um, and really most of their stories were like a predictable, you know, flow, like where they basically went past their due date, which by the way, is super common for a first-time mom, okay? So statistically speaking, a first-time mom is going to give birth about a week past their due date, and that's totally normal. Um, so all of them went overdue. They had to get induced, which, you know, if the body isn't ready to give birth and the baby isn't ready to come, that is a huge hurdle right there. They got induced with Pitocin and different, you know, ripeners and things like that. And their body just wasn't budging. It wasn't progressing. They get a big hit of the Pitocin. They get in a t tremendous amount of pain. Then they're begging for an epidural, rightfully so. 
they get the epidural and then everything kind of slows down because it's a depressant. It's, you know, it sedates the body. Then they get the failure to progress because it's been about 24 hours now on the clock. And then they go and get an emergency C-section, even though, is it really, you know? And so this was kind of what they call the cascade of interventions. And I was just like, wow, I really want to prevent this um, because if I don't have to have a surgical birth, I would prefer that, you know? And, you know, thank God we have them. I'm a C-section baby, so I would not be here today if it wasn't for these medical advancements that we have. But um, like I said, in most instances, women don't need to to go that route. And I really didn't want to. So it really comes down to what the woman wants. And I know that Chelsea obviously wants a natural childbirth. So um, when you give birth in the hospital, it's just harder, you know, because there are policies and procedures and things that they have to go by that are going to put you on the clock. That's going to put that pressure of getting the interventions and the more interventions, the more risks of surgical birth. So that's why if you can give birth, I loved giving birth in a birth center. That's where I had my first two babies. Um, and it's kind of like the Goldilocks in between. It's not, you know, a home birth, but it's not a hospital birth. I'll be honest, I was a little nervous to go to for a home birth the first time around because my mom did have two C-sections. So I thought, oh my gosh, what if like I'm like her and there's something wrong or like, you know, I just can't do it or whatever, you know, something comes up. I just like the safety of kind of being in a more like medical environment, so to speak. But it was great. It was kind of the best of both worlds. Um, but having said that, my third time around, um, I did give birth at home and oh my gosh, day and night, even at, you know, a birth center, which you think is so lovely and da, 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 you know, it really, I mean, it was to a certain extent, but it, you know, it was, wasn't my own bed. It wasn't my own home. It wasn't, you know, the environment, if you think about it just from like a microbiota perspective, if you think about you know, how they have to sterilize and sanitize. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times the bacteria that is blooming and blossoming are like the harder, nastier germs versus at your home, this is like your environment. Like this is what, you know, the kind of the, um, the like the biofilm that you have created as a family and so mm -hmm. that's incredible and just to be uninterrupted to give birth and just be in my own bed and to you know bond with my baby those first couple hours and more and more we're seeing those first couple hours of like uninterrupted bonding if there is not a medical need like don't disrupt that because mm -hmm. literally neuro pathways are being laid down in the baby's brain and the mom's brain for bonding for connection for muscle memory, for breastfeeding. I mean, it is incredible. So if you can do a home birth, you know, there's certain things you want to be sure you're low risk and there's certain, you know, to be safe and are close to a hospital transfer if need be. But even my midwife, she had been doing it for like 40 years. She's like, literally, I don't think I've ever had a, a true medical transfer. Most of the time it was the mom wanted to go in because she had decided, you know what, I want to get an epidural or I want to get more support. Um, so you know, you can have home births and it, it's just such a wonderful option. So kudos to Chelsea. Yeah, we, we are, uh, we're excited. We're really blessed. We have an amazing midwife, which that's just been such an awesome experience having such a fantastic midwife. Our midwife has done over, overseen over 800 births, which is pretty amazing. That's and awesome. she was giving us statistics, which is, um, you know, just really just going off of what you were saying is that the amount when you have a mid when you have a midwife slash home birth versus you're in a hospital, if you have a midwife, she said that the at least her rate was two percent or less C sections versus if it's in a hospital, it's in the mid thirties, thirty percent, like thirty six percent. I think she said I might be a little bit off in that number, but it's around that number. And I can tell you too, you know, I used to run my functional medicine clinic here in Nashville, and we did everything from nutrition consults to physical therapy to chiropractic care. And there were so many kids too. Like I'll just even say from 
some of the trauma that experience with forceps, you know, the, them, the, the big thing, I'll use the word force. You know, when you're doing it at home, there's an ease to it from what we've seen. And we've had over a hundred friends do home births that we've talked to and gone to their house afterwards with a lot of people and have the conversation. But I'll say those are the two words that come to mind is there's an ease versus there's a lot of force that tends to happen. We're forcing the body to try and do things it doesn't want to do yet is often what happens in the hospital. And I want to say this, mm -hmm. there are some people that go in the hospital, you and I both know, they have great experiences, so it can happen. But as a percentage, it happens less often. And I, I find more people that say, I had the most amazing experience of my life at home versus not, mm -hmm. but not to say you can't have a great experience at both places. Yeah. No, it is amazing. We actually have a, a post on our website that's like how to have a natural hospital birth. There you go. You know, because the truth is statistically like 97% of women are giving birth there. Um, but to your point, that's probably some of the reason why we have such, you know, we're having such these high rates of interventions and stuff like that. So it is possible, but you have to fight against so many things. I mean, here I was, my, um, I was in a birth center, but it was in a hospital. So one nurse practitioner had to be on staff, like in my room with the midwives and stuff like that. And because of my first birth was really long and it wasn't progressing. And there was moments where like, well, they need, she needs to do forceps. She has to do vacuum extraction. And here I was like trying to have the natural and I had the midwives and the doulas, you know what I mean? So like, even in that scenario, so, yeah, if you can give birth at home, I mean, it is so different. And in fact, my daughter, Faith, who was born at home, she is such a happy child and like so content and peaceful. And she, because she's never had that experience. Like I always wonder, I'm like, I wonder if it's just like the way she came into the world was so peaceful. And, um, you know, even like in the, in the uh, birth center, they're trying to rub in the vernix and like get all involved. I'm like, just give me space. I just want to bond with my baby. So it is huge. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, one of the other things not to go off on a tangent here, I'll just say it really quickly. It's interesting, your website is such an incredible resource. We've been on it many times. And you mentioned the one article. It's crazy. Now, like if you search natural home birth, only medical sites show up that kind of give it this sort of uh, semi negative, here's all the cons approach, you know, Google, we know actually, uh, is part owner and owns two full pharmaceutical companies and is partnered with Glasgow Smith and Klein. But it's crazy that, you know, they changed this Google algorithm. When you're trying to find natural birth stuff now, it is so hard to find on the internet if yeah. you're using Google. I don't have yeah. you noticed that? I mean, we No, I have been so frustrated because I love looking, I love learning. And frankly, some of my favorite is like more anecdotal or just hearing other moms that might have tried different things with their children. This is like, if anything, a remedy for, you know, poison ivy or something. And so if I Google it, I literally have to get to like the sixth page before I find anything that even remotely interests me. So I always wonder, I'm like, are other people frustrated with this? Because I just like it for my own, you know, personal thing. But if I was really relying on this for information, it would would be so frustrating. It's crazy. And there is a ton of fear mongering. We have a whole section in our book about home birth and like really debunking some of the myths and the fears. And I think just in general, and that's the thing that is such a shame. And that's what really our whole movement and like our little community is about is like, I think as women, we're, we are led to believe that somehow our bodies are broken and we can't give birth without help, without mm. medical intervention. But birth is actually a very ordinary you know, experience. It's been going on for millennium. Like this is like our bodies are designed to do this. And if we just get out of the way and let the body do what it needs to do, most women can have wonderful, natural, unmedicated birth.
months. And so that's where I want to empower moms. But there is almost like a collective conscience that we're like tapped into around the fear, the pain, um, the unknown. And so I always say like your brain is going to be either your greatest enemy or your greatest friend during birth. And so I really, you know, recommend that moms train their brain, like get your mind in the right place as you walk in, because it is a very intense experience. But the more you can, you know, get your thinking in the right place, do the visualization, do the affirmations, you are going to walk into it and you will be able to show up to it. And like, it's going to be so life transforming. I mean, after my second birth, I'm like, I want to do this again. Like, it was so awesome. Like, there is no greater high in the whole world than to give birth and, you know, and be conscious and aware and have your baby be conscious and aware and just to make this incredible bonding moment is just oh, incredible. I love it. That's awesome. So, you know, I'll share a little bit about what Chelsea is going on because I'd love to hear yeah. from from you. Let's let's talk about some of the different phases of pregnancy. So Chelsea, weeks, you know, early on to week 12, she felt nauseous, you know, a yes. lot. Now, the Brutal. thing is, we knew now she never, she never threw up. And I've seen, you know, a lot of other people were close to get very, very ill. And, and they were sick for a long time. A couple of ways that we really dealt with that was um, we had Chelsea taken, but even before, uh, before we conceived uh, magnesium, vitamin yeah. B6, you know, and just really yeah. doing a lot of nutrients. I mean, I'm telling you, I know that made a big difference, just mm -hmm. her, her diet. Um, I'd also love to hear remedies. She used C bands, which we swear, which we swear by. Yeah. In fact, that was the way we had a couple of people from uh, church who were like, "Are you, you know, are you pregnant?" The C bands gave it away. But <laughs> yes. Yep. What are some things that you recommend or you think are important for yes. women who are looking to conceive or are in that first trimester of pregnancy? What are some things that you think are just so important for them to mm -hmm. do and be aware of? Well, I think let's say they're like in the place where they're like, you know what, I want to conceive, I want to have a baby, what can they do just even before they get started, really be sure your current menstrual cycle is dialed in. Mm. You know, you really want to cycle every 28 days. I know doctors say, oh, anywhere from 25 to 32 days. Well, really, it was designed to be 28 days. So the closer you can be to that magic number, it's very cyclical. And you want it so that like, you know, when you're ovulating, you're not crampy and crabby and getting migraines, all those signs where there's some imbalance, those are just little clues because I noticed that moms that have a lot of the PMS and different struggles like that, they're going to have harder pregnancies because it's of course all hormonally related. And if you're imbalanced before you even get pregnant, you're going to really feel it when you, you know, you're in that first trimester. So that's one thing you can do. And I've got things on my website that you can check out to help you do that. Um, then when you actually do get pregnant, like you said, boosting the nutrients, if you can get on a prenatal three months before you start getting pregnant, that'd be great. Cause the folate, like you said, the B6, um, that is fantastic. You also can work on some gut health. There was a study shown that like women that had really severe morning sickness actually had higher levels of H. pylori bacteria mm. in their gut. So doing like the monolaurin, the coconut oil, doing some probiotics, things to reduce that H. pylori load can really help. And then really it's liver and digestive support. So dandelion tea, I found all the bitters. So um, Urban Moonshines actually makes a product that's safe for moms when they're pregnant or they're trying to conceive because it doesn't have some ingredient that's kind of harmful. Um, so I use that a ton before meals, getting that sluggish bile churning because that's where mm. you get that just nauseous. I was the same way as Chelsea with my second pregnancy. I was pregnant with a girl. I had the boy first and I was like, oh my gosh, I just felt like just queasy 24 seven. I never threw up. In some ways I almost wish I did because I feel like it would like have shifted things. Um, but it just felt like constantly having the flu or something. And then when I got to 13 weeks, it went away. 
but anything you can do to get that bile going. So bitters, lemon. Um, with one of my pregnancies, I found if I had a grapefruit, which is so random, I don't know how I even came to this, but one grapefruit after every meal was magic. It just took it away. So again, that citrus, I think grapefruit does get the bile secreting, sour foods. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. The magnesium is huge. The B6, I took B6 with Paloma and I noticed I'm like, this isn't really working. So I stopped taking it and I was like, oh my gosh, that was really working. So then I <laughs> got back on it. But I think the important thing to realize is it will pass for most moms yeah. and it will, it is worth it. Um, ginger, of course, is a phenomenal anti-nauseous or nausea uh, remedy. And then, like you said, with the C-bands, acupuncture, like I've got an acupuncturist here locally who said he had a woman that was hospitalized because she was just so sick. She could not keep anything down. And she started going to regular um, acupuncture care and she got better. So that's another another tool. Yeah. I mean, you hit on so many things with Chelsea. What's funny is what Chelsea craved, the amount of grapefruit and pineapple she ate. Oh I'm like, gosh. the only thing you're eating, like, I mean, she kept it by her bed at night. Like she would have her pineapple and her grapefruit. I mean, that's just what yeah. she ate. But yeah, it's that, that sour and bitter. Those are all liver activating, you know? So, it, mm -hmm. and a lot of times people think a oh, liver is just for detox. The liver is responsible for balancing estrogen. Like it yes, is, it's, it's responsible. It moves your blood in your body. I mean, it's, as you're saying, it's such a huge deal. So I love mm -hmm. it. And so you mentioned that that product again. It's Urban Moonshine. Yeah, I think it's Urban Moonshine. I hope I'm getting that right. But they make bitters, and they've got like three different varieties. But one is called like Calm Tummies or something like that. And it's just it's gentler. It doesn't have any like. There's one particular herb that can be harmful when you're pregnant. Uh, but yeah, they even have like a spray version. So I would just be like, uh, you know, around <laughs> like anytime I was going to eat, spraying myself. But it's a great old remedy, and it can help with constipation. It just gets everything flowing. So that can be a great tool too. I love it. Yeah. And Chelsea's been getting acupuncture. Uh, okay. The sour vegetables we've been doing, uh, ginger and milk thistle, you know, yeah. there as well. So it's, uh, I love that. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> when somebody is, um, let's say, you know, getting ready for the home birth, I'd love to hear. Yes. So actually, one of the other questions I'm just thinking about too is because I was talking to Chelsea right before I came on, I said, Hey, I have these questions for Genevieve. What are some other things she, she, I should ask? And she said, ask about Mike's perspective, which I know Mike's not here. Yeah. But she, she said, ask, what are some of the biggest surprises once you have birth, like that first six weeks after what, what, what are some things yeah. you're like, I never would have thought this. And listen, I know this is a really general question. What are mm -hmm. some things that you think maybe this surprised you or even Mike was like, wow, this, you know, Mm -hmm. This surprised me about just having a baby or a home birth or anything else. Well, first, let me just say this baby is already so blessed to have you guys as parents. Like, it's just going to be such an incredible life-changing experience for you. So the thing is, like, the more you can spend time, the father and the mother at the beginning or the partner and the mother, the better. Because you literally, and I actually have a post about this, where, like, men can actually suffer from postpartum depression as well. Wow. And it's actually tied hormonally. So as much as you can do the skin-to-skin -skin bonding with your baby, and that's one thing we really did with Michael. I mean, Michael was really blessed. The job that he was at with, when I was pregnant with Griffin, he got a two week paternity leave, which was pretty generous. Um, so he literally would just spend like hours, like Griffin would just nap on, you know, Michael with no, you know, shirt, you know, shirtless, and they would just get that skin to skin bonding time. It boosts endorphins, it helps with microbiota exchange, um, it helps with bonding, the smells, the connection. So that could be really helpful. Just I think the more involved the partner is, the better, actually, because I think the first couple of weeks, it is surprising how much they nurse, okay? And sometimes the partner 
longer feels useless because it's just like, okay, all it is is the boob, you know, the boob, the boob, the boob. But it's so critical because that's laying down the breast milk supply. It's the bonding. You know what I mean? It's, it's a wonderful thing. It's helping the baby's immunity and sealing their gut and on and on and on. Um, but you can still, be, there's so many ways you can be a support. And I think the more hands on the partner can get, the, the more joy they'll feel they'll actually have. And again, in these studies, the dads that were more involved actually were happier. They had mm. less issues with any kind of postpartum depression. Um, they felt more connected to the baby, the whole experience. So Michael was so cute. He'd always be filling up my water jug. Cause I mean, she's going to be going through so many fluids just cause she's going to be yeah. outputting like 32 ounces a day of liquid. I mean, wow. that's crazy. So filling up the water bottles, getting the nursing station set up, stocking it with snacks, diaper changes, doing the skin to skin, baby wearing around the house so that Chelsea can take a shower. I think also, and this is really, this is what's so beautiful about the whole experience. I think the first time around your body, I mean, from everything from the birth to postpartum, it's such a trailblazing time. So the first birth tends to be harder and longer. And then the first postpartum period tends to be harder and a little bit longer. So the bleeding, the swelling, the sweating that you're like, Oh my gosh, like you feel like, so like, you're just been like through this tornado. And so allowing the woman to rest, you know, it's like, there's a practice called the first 40 days. And this is based on, um, um, just in the Asian culture's idea of like a confinement period for mom, where she literally would just rest for the first month, literally be in bed and have the baby right with her. And they, they would, all it would be about is feeding, the mom would be eating, all about replenishing. So um, getting, you know, some things you could do too to help is like having food available, things in the freezer, um, having her sip on broth and soups. I mean, you guys have so many beautiful collagen products she could get, she's totally set up. But um, so just helping her, encouraging her to rest, encouraging her to replenish, um, that her most important job is really to bond and sleep and feed and replenish herself. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing is you don't realize how the beginning is almost like a little bit anticlimactic maybe because it's kind of sleepy and foggy and fuzzy, you know, because you're just in this haze of endorphin high of sleeplessness and the baby is so in some ways unresponsive because they're still kind of like adjusting so much. Um, but each day it gets like, you'll just see little developments and little um, changes. And Michael had a ton of fun just taking the kids outside, you know, getting baby outside for the first time. They can see the light, you know, they show babies that get out actually like, especially in the late afternoon, have better sleep at night. Mm. So things like that. Um, so I hope that answers that question, but those are just some things top of mind. Fantastic. No, I love that. Now, are you guys nope. going to have a doula too? Are you going to have a doula too? Uh, no, we just think? have a midwife. Well, we have a midwife and then we have actually her assistant, I think is a doula. So we've been okay. working with both on a regular basis. Um, That's nice too. Cause we had a doula with our first birth, actually with our second birth too. And it just helps take a little pressure off the partner so that they can kind of do whatever the partner needs. So it's like, okay, I need a back rub or can you go take a picture? Or can you get me some water? And like, mm. if just one more set of hands, I find a doula yeah. can really help. Cause sometimes the dad feels like overwhelmed. Like, oh my gosh, my wife is, looks like she's like going to lose it. And I don't know what to do. And sometimes the midwife might be off into another woman's room or something. You know what I mean? Or if you guys are doing homework, yeah. it's a little bit different, but the midwife doesn't come until closer to birth. So that whole yeah. early labor stretch to have another support person can also also really help. 
That's great advice. Yeah. You know, we've been fortunate. We have uh, some of our best friends, Sean uh, Johnson East and Andrew East. They they just had their little one not too long yeah. ago. So we've been seeing, you know, their, uh, you know, their transition as parents, and they're just amazing parents, just crushing it. So, uh, yeah. so, so that's been that's been so good. But one of the things I will say, especially after you know a few weeks with them, you start to see, wow, that first six weeks, the amount of nursing that has to take place, it's kind of like that's all you know. Seems like that's yeah. all, all you do. And so it absolutely um, is. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's, I mean, and my daughter now, I mean, she's almost 16 months. She still nurses like almost eight times a day, which I'm like, wow. really? Like, I think that's actually <laughs> higher than most children, but I'm like, you still, you forget even the third time around. I'm like, oh my gosh, like we still really are at this, you know, but it is so for now for her, it's more bonding. And she just, she's kind of an exploratory stage and then she can come back and it's kind of like the safety thing for her yeah. but uh it is it's huge it's it's a beautiful thing dr axe here to talk to you about bone broth protein from ancient nutrition the whole food supplement brand i co-founded with jordan rubin one big nutritional gap in our modern day diet is we're missing compounds from real homemade bone broth including the compounds collagen glucosamine chondroitin and hyaluronic acid. You know, I spent years in my clinic from 2007 to 2014 recommending bone broth. The problem was it takes nearly 24 hours to make from scratch, and most people don't have time for that. And that's why I formulated bone broth protein. Bone broth protein comes from dehydrated bone broth, just like you make at home, and it turns into a convenient, easy to use powder that provides nutrients to help your joints, your skin, and supports a healthy gut. It's easy to mix into water, your favorite nut milk, or many recipes. Personally, I love to use chocolate bone broth protein in my morning smoothies with some berries and almond milk. It tastes amazing. Give bone broth protein a try today simply by searching online, whether it be Google or Amazon, Ancient Nutrition Bone Broth Protein. The other thing I was going to say, because Chelsea, like she's right in that window where, you know, she's getting close. She's got about a month out. And, you know, let me just say with my first birth, I didn't have the right mindset. I um, was scared. I think I was still tapping into that collective consciousness. And um, I didn't do a lot of things to prep my body too, because if you think about it, most first-time moms probably work, and so they're sitting in an office, they're driving home, long commutes in the car, and like their pelvis. I mean, it's so wonderful that you're a chiropractor, so you can adjust your wife all the time, but a lot of us are imbalanced, our pelvises aren't in great shape, the baby's malpositioned, and this just sets you up for this like harder, longer birth. So anything you can do to help a first-time mom have an easier, faster birth, I'm like all for. So definitely regular chiropractic adjustments, which she's probably doing with you. But then there's three other things that I always tell new moms, okay? So I just want to put this out there so you can tell Chelsea this. The first is drinking red raspberry leaf tea. Mm. So this is an old school remedy. Um, first of all, the tea itself is high in minerals, which is great when you're pregnant. It's very balancing. Um, it's non-stimulating. There's no caffeine. And then it also is a uterine tonic. So it literally tones your whole pelvic floor. Mm. And I have to tell you, like my first pregnancy, I did not drink it. My second one I did. And it was day and night. And wow. it really, you know, because a lot of times they say, oh yeah, the second one's faster because you're just, you know, the body knows. But I literally knew, like noticed such a profound difference in the 
uterine contractions. Like mm. in the first one, they just started pittering out and they'd be like 30 seconds long or 45 seconds long. With my second birth, they were like a minute and a half to two minutes. They were like so powerful. I could literally feel Paloma coming down. I mean, to the point where we almost didn't make it to the birthing center in time. I almost gave birth in the car. Um, so much more powerful. So I'm such an advocate for red rose relief tea. You usually want to wait until your second trimester before you start drinking. And then once you like hit your due date, you can even like, usually they recommend like two cups a day, but then once you get past your due date, you can even up it a little bit. But that's one thing. Um, of course, check with your doctor or midwife. But And then the second thing I always recommend are dates, actually. So there's been about three studies that show consuming dates, your last six mm. weeks of pregnancy, can really shorten your first stage of labor, which is huge because that can be one of the longest stages the first time around. Um, so there's different nutrients in the dates. There's some pro prostaglandins in the dates that really help to thin the cervix and prepare it. And in our birth course that we teach, I just noticed the moms that do the red rice relief tea and the dates, the first time moms have incredible births. Wow. So we're talking like six hours, eight hours, and like the average is more like 19 hours. So, um, so the deal is six dates a day, starting at 36 weeks of pregnancy and just eating those until you give birth, which can be hard if you're kind of like more of like a low carber person because it's a lot of sugar. So we have um, an article that kind of gives you tips on how to balance your blood sugar with it and different recipes and things you can, you know, and even if you just get two a day, I mean, that's better than yeah. none, right? Yeah. So that's another thing. And then the final thing is sex. Um, sex can be huge because again, there's something in the semen that just has this thinning effect to the cervix, which is awesome, obviously. And um, I just find that moms that do, you know, that have a lot of sex before they give birth, which is probably the last thing they want to do, but it does really help. So anything, I'm all for like easy, simple, safe things that can help me have a shorter birth. I love that. Yeah, we we have uh, the red raspberry tea stock and she's had it here and there, but we'll do that later. I mean, that's, that's great advice. I love the dates. Um, that's great. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, sex for guys is, yeah, exactly. every, every, everyone, everyone loves a... <laughs> that. So, um, yeah. so good. Um, yeah. One of the things, and you mentioned just the strength of the pelvic floor. This is something that we have seen a lot as Chelsea and I have worked with people pre and especially post-pregnancy. A lot of women uh, don't get back to fitness as fast as maybe ideally sh they should. And I'm not talking about going and running marathons and doing heavy squats. I'm just saying doing just functional exercises, strengthening that lower core. And I know that's something Chelsea has been doing, even Pilates classes now. She's doing bar Pilates and just some basic stuff, just trying to keep that strong. But we've heard that as well, that as you're saying, I mean, that is such a big deal, keeping that strong. So mm -hmm. is, there, is there something that like you specifically do, like, and I know a lot of times, I mean, you want to give the body time to heal, of course, but yeah. how important, are there any specific exercises that you think are important for women to, to, do, to do before or during or after pregnancy? Yeah, I think a lot of it's just that opening and balancing of the pelvic area. So like butterflies, I mean, I've got, a, a, mm. again, I keep saying to my website, but I've got an article, I think there's like seven or eight simple exercises, even the way they sit, like sitting cross-legged versus like in a lazy boy recliner, um, thinking about your posture. Um, I know that Kegels or Kegels, however you want to say it, has gotten like a bad rap, but there are there is a benefit to doing that in, in conjunction with other things like squats and stuff like that. But I'm seeing a lot more discussion around like pelvic prolapse and like pelvic floor prolapse and organ prolapse and all these things. It's really, 
you know, opened my eyes. And I, to be completely honest with you, like the first two pregnancies, I was just blessed. Like I didn't really have a lot of like issues. I never tore like what they call that diastasis recti. Like Mm -hmm. I just, my body did well with it. But this third time around in my forties, I was like, holy cow, like it's been more, I didn't think I tore my DI with this one either or the DR, but I have noticed like more pelvic floor issues. And so I'm actually going to go see a gynecologist who kind of specializes in this. And there's different things you can do. Like, of course, exercises. There's also biofeedback where Mm -hmm. um, it's literally, have you heard about this? And so this, of course, is huge in Europe. Like in France, this is like, everyone gets this, of course, like right after they have, you know, have a child, but no one's talking about this. I literally, I'm in this field. I've been doing this for how long? And I never even heard of this. This is crazy. And it's super expensive. So I'm hoping like insurance will cover and stuff like that. So it's definitely not something that we take seriously as a society. So this is kind of my next area of like, I really want to dive into because I think it's a huge area of opportunity. And in fact, I'm seeing, um, some women they're like really big into crossfit or heavy lifting sometimes they almost have more struggle with it because maybe there was more trauma to the area mm. so you know what i mean so it's yep. really like this fine line of strengthening it but not over you know stressing it and how do you balance that and really looking at all the muscles the whole girdle um so i would say like you were saying um you know, the squats, the kegels, there's um, several good like online programs. Like I think it's Moomoo is one and there's like the tubular technique and just different um, people out there who are physical therapists, you know what I mean? That yep. can actually help you versus like a personal trainer because not to, you know, some personal trainers are totally dialed into this, but not all are. And it's kind of a different animal. So like doing crunches and doing things like that is actually can make things worse. So you want to be sure you're working with someone that knows what's going on and how the body works postpartum. Um, But I think that's awesome. I think the biggest thing is awareness um, and getting support and getting people that can help you early is huge. So I'm sure Chelsea is going to do fantastic. It's really good advice. And I think too, that's a big thing, whether it's a trainer, more often though, a physical therapist or somebody really a physical therapist who specializes in, you know, um, post-pregnancy, these exercises is a great idea. And listen, Mm -hmm. this doesn't have to be a real hard work. And I would say, as you said, doing some squats, doing some sort of Kegel exercises or, um, you know, doing, doing just hip bridges, you know, certain, a lot of the basic things, really a lot of things you might do in something like a Pilates class. If you, it's and it's that awareness of I'm learning how to actually contract a muscle is, is, is what needs to happen. I love that. Yeah. So after you have, you know, so, and you have three or four right now, three, you have three kids. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now that you've got the little ones running around, you know, how, what are some of the biggest tips you have for moms in raising a healthy family? Like, yeah. what, what are some of the foods? Do you guys give your kids supplements? What are some, did, did you guys really, because I, I would love to hear too, do you guys send them to school? Do you do any sort of homeschooling? Like what's, yeah. what, 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 what is the Howland family? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I had an experience when I was growing up, there was a neighbor friend that would come over and his family was super healthy. Okay. Like his, this is back like, you know, a while and they were into like wheatgrass and granola and like, they were just very crunchy. I think they were vegetarian and they really put those principles onto their children. And this kid would come over and binge. He would go to the penny store with this allowance, get candy, come over to our house and binge. I'm not even kidding. And I remember that just like sitting in my mind, like something's wrong with this picture. So I learned very early, like, I don't want to set such an unrealistic expectation for my kids. I want them to be empowered to go out into the world and to make good choices and to also show them like there are times to have a treat, you know? So like 
when we celebrate Christmas every year, they get to have now, cause my son's older now he's, um, nine years old, but I was like, okay, he gets to have a classic Coke that's made from Mexico that has real cane sugar. Now, if you would have told me this, like nine years ago, I would have had a heart attack. Okay. Cause I'm like, there's no way I'm giving my child a caffeine, B sugar. Okay. But what I've learned is that he's going to get it from one of his neighbor friends. He's going to get it from, you know what I'm saying? So if I teach him like, this is a special treat that you get once or twice a year. Here's how, let's notice how you feel after you have it. Let's notice how your tummy feels, how much is enough. That's what I'm trying to do. It's like educate my kids because I've seen too much of the opposite extreme and then kind of like this reactionary response. So, but as a general rule, like most of the meals we're eating at home, it's all about balance. <clears throat> I used to get, and I still get these planet, planet lunch box. They're like little bento boxes. Okay. For their lunches, they're made of stainless steel. I love them. But what's really been great about it is there's like four or five different compartments. So that really gave me a great opportunity to talk to them about balance. So having your starch or your whole grain, having your protein, having your fat, and there's like a little area for a treat, having your fruit. So I talked to them a lot about that, just balance and getting all the, you know, trying to get different colors in their diet. So most of their meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they're eating, you know, very well, but I do get certain treats. So like, you know, there's like organic nacho chips now. I mean, now it's so much easier back when I, you know, I was first in this movement. Oh my gosh. It was like either Doritos or, you know, kale chips or the kale chips yeah. weren't even a thing. I mean, there just wasn't the options that we have today. So, and I do educate them. I mean, I talk to them about GMOs. I talk to them about artificial dyes. You know, we made um, gingerbread men homes, little houses or whatever over last Christmas. And I got like natural candy canes that were dyed. You know what I mean? And I would just talk to them. I'm like, these taste good. You know, they're sugary. They're still a treat, but at least they don't have these dyes in them. So that's kind of how I try to um, do the nutrition because I just don't want to set up an eating disorder. Um, so it's about balance, getting good blood sugar. So we always start the morning with like eggs or you know, little chicken sausages, good protein to kind of set their blood sugar for the day. Um, and stuff like that. In terms of schooling, we did um, Montessori. I was all about like Montessori or Waldorf. Um, I knew that I probably did not have the chops to be a homeschooling mom. Um, I actually met with like a local group that were homeschoolers and I found like 80% of the moms were teachers, former teachers who then decided to like stop and have their family and like that was going to be their full-time work. And I realized I'm like, I just am not like wired that way, you know, to teach in that way. And it's a huge responsibility. And maybe because I'm from the Midwest, like I think school is really good for kids. It's great for socialization and, um, you know, just the whole environment of learning. I mean, I loved going to school when I was a kid. So, but I did want to try a more natural or more like child focused approach. So we did do Montessori until my son was through second grade. And then we just transferred him to public, which was a huge, I mean, that was a soul searching process, but I have, I am so thrilled. Like he is absolutely thriving. So I think a lot of it too, is knowing your child. Um, I think probably my daughter would do better at a homeschooling situation or more like Montessori, but my son needs more of that public, like more stimulation, more people like, you know, going to the gym class, all those different things. Um, so I think it's just finding what works for you, having open communication with your kids. Cause my son was literally like, I don't want to go to the school anymore. Cause his Montessori school had six kids. He was literally bored out of his mind. It was yeah. like a family or something. He's like, mom, I want to go in the bus. I want to go with all the kids, you know? So I did that and it's been fantastic. Um, so I don't know if that helps answer some of those questions, but it's great. Yeah. 
I love it. No, it's great. Yeah. So I, and I can see that we have some friends of ours, the uh, Jordan and Nikki Rubin, uh, my business partner, Jordan, you know, they've yeah. got five kids at home. And I think three, they homeschool Two, They send, uh, you know, to maybe the oldest and youngest go to, uh, you know, go, go to uh, public school. And me growing up, I actually went to a Christian school through eighth grade, which is much smaller. And then I went to a larger public high school and then a, you know, public college, but it was, um, you know, and Chelsea was homeschooled a few years and then she, she went to a, Christian high school for a little bit and a traditional, but I think it, you're right. I mean, so much depends on your, on your kit and what they need. And I think one of the things I love here in Franklin, just South here in Nashville, they do, um, there's a few what, classical schools where you can mm -hmm. pick like what classes they go to. So some parents have said, Hey, I'm going to homeschool for these two classes. I feel strong in two days a week and the rest they're going to school the other three days a week for these classes. So mm -hmm. it's just interesting today, just some of the options Absolutely. Uh, that, yep. that are out there. Yeah, middle school, I'm kind of like, ugh, I don't really care for the public school here. So I'm like, yeah. okay, maybe then we'll like take a year off, travel, do like remote school, like online school. Um, and then we'll just kind of, you know, so that's the thing, like staying open, being flexible. Like you said, there's so many options. And um, I think the most important thing is like just always having that communication with your kid, you know, and being involved and engaged no matter where they go to school. Can, 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 um, you, can so. you tell me like, well, what, so what does this look like for you and Mike in terms of, because we've talked, we've talked about, you know, nutrition, we've talked about home birth, a lot of these natural things. Talk to me a little bit about in terms of because I know this is so important for me, like I had I had great parents, Chelsea had amazing parents too, to where like my dad would sit me down and talk to me, you know, about discipline and certain things. Chelsea's parents, I mean, they they were, you know, like, one day a week sat down and had family meetings where their parents taught them principle, like moral principles, things from the Bible, mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. I love to hear, I mean, do you, do you guys have anything specific or natural rhythms that you and Mike have of, hey, here's ways that we're, we are training up our kids. We're, we're making sure our, our kids are better people. There's certain characteristics that you've tried to instill in your, your kids too. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, so I think for me, what I'm trying to teach my kids is like just being in touch with their emotions, being in touch with their internal dialogue and stuff like that. So we yeah. do a lot of like breathing. I don't even want to say meditation, but kind of just like calming the mind, being still. We do like visualizations with Jesus, stuff like that. And just trying to, because my son, especially like sometimes he can get anxious about different things or, and so I'm like, okay, let's work on giving our troubles to Jesus and like doing visualizations around that. Um, we also do like a little routine every night where um, we do a little red light therapy. So my kids like love it. They're like, put on the red light, put on the red light. So we'll <laughs> do that. Is it or who are you using the... Um, I've got like a combination. So I do have juve. I also have sauna space. They've got like a little individual yeah. lights so all kind of rotate. Um, Love it. And yeah, so they do that. Uh, and then I do a foot massage because that's really good for the reflexology. I find if I do, if I'm really consistent with foot massages, they don't get sick as much. Like it's crazy. So I just do that little nightly foot massage with the red light and we just talk about things. I think, you know, <sighs> as much as I want to have these like really formal ritualistic things, I think it's mostly just like how, what happened today in your day? Like what, what was a struggle point? What was a, a, a good point? What was your favorite part? You know what I mean? Just like unpacking those types of things and really just talking to them about the day-to-day -day living type stuff. Um, so we do that. We do the reflexology, the red light. Um, I do have like, my son has his Bible. That's like, 
it's almost like a cartoon, but like he loves to read from that. I have like a little meditation, like um, reflections for younger kids. Like I think it's called Jesus Calling for Kids. So I'll do, read those. And like in the morning, we try to kind of get our brains right. So we just do things like that. They go to Sunday school every Sunday. They have a phenomenal teacher. Um, and my daughter does choir, like it's a Christian choir. So again, she's singing to the Lord. She's learning like, you know, just to find the wonder and just the joy in that relationship. And even just where we live, like we do like a, you know, like a beach day once a week or whatever. We just like are surrounded by God's glory all the time. So it's an easy segue just to talk about and look at all of, you know, just the incredible things that wash up on the shore and the fish and the dolphins and the alligator, you know what I mean? There's just endless conversation in that regard. But I think those are some traditions. And then we travel a lot as a family. So that really bonds us and brings us together. And, you know, it just, I think what I've learned too is kids love rituals. So every year they want to go back to the same places. And Mike and I are like, really? We went there like four years in a row, you know, cause we're like, let's go someplace new. So we try to balance that, like a little bit of that ritual routine cause the kids just thrive on it. But then also, you know, exposing them to new stuff. Um, and then just being surrounded by family. I think the more children, you know, it's such a cliche, like you know, it takes a village to raise a child or whatever, but like you're, you've got great community where you guys are in Nashville. And we've talked about that before, like how important the community is. And so like my parents moved here, Michael's parents are here in the, in the winter. So they just have so many people loving on them and so many people that know what their business is. And you know what I'm saying? It's almost like harder for them to like get off into like some weird thing because we're just always like, Hey, I know you, I know you, like you are a beloved child of God. Like you are so valuable valued and we just love getting to know who you are. And, um, so yeah, those are some things. Yeah. Can I just say, I mean, you guys are one, there's been a common theme that you have said kind of throughout this entire time and it's connectivity and bonded. And so that's one of the things that we respect so much about you guys. One of the things I do some, uh, leadership coaching with some, uh, different, people and like healthcare practitioners and businesses. And we talk about too, I led a men's group recently. We talked about what are the things that we're called to in life and two of the things that's being connected to God and being connected to people. It's serving God, it's serving people. And that's one of the things, I mean, you just do so well. So we have a, you you know, when I, when I look at you and Mike too, there's this, you know, essentially you said it's being connected, you know, it's being connected to your kids. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, today, a lot of times, especially when you have two working parents and then there's sports practice, all these extra extracurricular activities. There's so much people are on their cellular devices. Like that's one of the biggest things I see us missing in society is that we're missing connection. And so that's one of the things, I mean, again, I, I asked, you know, this sort of general questions for Mm -hmm. rituals, but I mean, what you're doing is so much deeper and in such a, it's just such a great healthy rhythm of you found ways just to connect with your kids, you know, from, from, from the second they're born throughout their their entire life. And so anyways, I just love that. It's so powerful. I want to mention this too for everybody. Sure. Um, you guys got to check out Genevieve's book here. It is The Natural Mama Pregnancy and Childbirth. And this is on Amazon.com. Yes. It's on MamaNatural.com, which is your website, MamaNatural.com. So if you guys are on YouTube or video, you'll see it here. If you're not on, if you're listening right now via iTunes or on the podcast, just The Mama Natural Pregnancy and Childbirth. Or look at Mama Natural on uh, Amazon or go to your local bookstore. You'll find it there. One of the other things that Chelsea and I love, and we, we've uh, jumped online and started going through this, you have a online course. Can you talk to me about your online course, what you cover in it um, yeah. for, for, for the childbirthing? 
Sure. Um, that was something like when I wrote the book, I wanted to create something that was a little bit more natural from a week to week perspective. There was nothing on the market where it was really geared towards a mom that wanted a natural approach and wanted to, you know, read each week, a little update. So the same thing with the birthing course, I wanted something online that moms could tap into. Cause I remember when I took a birthing, you know, like a parenting birthing class, we had to drive like a 40 minutes across town. It was like late, cold winter in Chicago. <laughs> we were like, this is not that much fun. My stomach was huge. It was just like, there's got to be a better way. So anyways, we do it online. It's like a eight week module. You can kind of tap in. You can do it at your pace. Uh, we have a little section for the guys or for the partner so that they're not just, it's not all about, you know, the lady. It kind of balances everything out, but we cover everything. You know, literally we take you through different birth stories. We talk about all the different stages of pregnancy, all the stages of labor. Um, we talk about, you know, what to, what there's some tools you can bring into the, the birthing room to help you get through the, you know, discomfort. Um, we talk about what do you do if you do have to have interventions, how can you optimize them? Because even if you have a C-section, okay, because like I said, they save lives, they are needed in some instances. There are so many things you can do to optimize even a C-section. So, you know, we talk about gentle cesarean, how you can like wrap the baby and swab that's covered with vaginal fluid that has the bacteria. I mean, so there's, it's not like... You've, it's so it's not so black and white. There's such a gray area, and so we try to talk about all those different things. We talk about breastfeeding, getting that good latch initially. So we cover it all. But I think probably one of the greatest gifts of it is there's a private Facebook group that's super active. So it's me and a doula, and we are just always chatting away with moms. And it's just I wish I had it when I was pregnant, frankly, because things come up. It's like oh my gosh, I have such an aversion to vegetables and meat, and like I'm eating crackers. Like what am I going to do? You know things like that. And we can all chime in, give suggestions, ideas. Or, you know, things come up, you know, not every pregnancy is perfect. Like there's swelling or there's, you know, I don't know, um, you know, high blood pressure, there's um, gestational diabetes. So how can you approach that from a natural perspective? How can you work with medicine to make this, you know, as least intrusive as possible? So we don't necessarily give medical advice, but we can at least share some pointers, some direction that they can explore. Um, but it's just a really, the biggest thing is a great moral support. And my favorite part is like, once the women go through the course and they, you know, are kind of chiming in throughout the course, then they post their birth story. And I'm literally mm -hmm. like, oh, like all these stories with the baby picture. Every time I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to like shut this down because my ovaries, like they start throbbing, <laughs> just hearing these stories and how, you know, even if the birth didn't go exactly as they wanted to, all, the thing I love about our course, is like moms are going to walk away feeling confident and that they are guiding their verse their birth versus just being consumed by it you know what i mean and that that even if they did have to get some interventions they were kind of driving the train you know what i mean they were directing it and they were feeling confident and in control when it said you know what yes i want to proceed with that versus oh my gosh all these things happened to me and this was an absolute disaster and i'm in trauma i mean some women literally have to go through like postpartum, you know, not only depression, but also trauma from their births. Yeah. So the more we can prevent that and just support these women, the better. So we love our course. It's fun. I love it. So yeah, when, when I started looking at and going through the first, the two words that came to my mind were you're going to be prepared and empowered, you know, yeah. after going through it. So, and mm -hmm. people could find that on mamanatural.com, right? Yes. Yep. So mamanatural.com, you guys can find the course, you can find the book, you guys can read some amazing articles. And yeah. Genevieve, I want to say, hey, thanks so much for coming on. Thank Again, you so much for having me. I'm yeah, we so love you and Mike. And you guys have been such a good guide for Chelsea and I. And we know here, Aww. you know, in a matter of weeks, we're, we're going to be having our little ones. So I know uh, I cannot wait. To... Well, God bless you guys. I'll be praying for just an awesome delivery for you guys, an awesome birth experience. And I'm just so excited for your hearts to explode <laughs> when you meet this little girl. We're excited. So excited. Too. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Keep Genevieve. Up.
up the great work. Thank you. Hey, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back with another show next week. Thanks everybody. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a question you want me to answer, let me know. Head on over to draxcom forward slash podcast to send in your questions. And if you're loving the show, make sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe and share with your family and friends. By doing so, you may just be transforming their life. Thanks for committing to transform lives with me. Tune in next week for more. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed in this podcast are not medical advice and have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The products and ingredients discussed in this podcast are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you believe you may have a medical condition, please consult your doctor. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guests' qualifications or credibility. In some cases, individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein.